Okay. Oh, goodness. Excellent job on the announcements. The most exciting three minutes of our week. Wow. Right there. That's sad. Is that? It is. Well, 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 well. Question for you guys. What are you grateful for right now? Okay. I want to know, like, if Jesus were to stop you and say, tell me something that you're grateful for that isn't generic, okay? That's not like, you know what I'm really grateful for is the sun in the sky. I mean, that's great. Uh, but something that if, if you were to say, you go, this is what I'm grateful for right now. Give me something. I think while we were singing, I was just looking around the room and yeah. thinking how excited I was that everyone was back in town. And yeah. even just seeing random people who are visiting for the weekend, it's just, it's nice. It's, it was just so nice. I feel so great? happy. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. That, that's true. Isn't it great? I mean, this is the fun. This really is such a fun time when people are coming back and doing all that. Well, I was just thinking, I'm really grateful to have dear friends up to spend time with Mike and Hazel. Uh, that's awesome. It was uh, unplanned, and we just got to have a wonderful visit. That's great. That's great. Excellent. Excellent. Yes, sir. I'm grateful for Ben for fixing my car. blew up Oh, that's awesome. Good job, buddy. That's true. Yes, sir. Yes. Awesome. We're glad to have you back and happy birthday. Yes. Is it yesterday? It was your birthday or yesterday? Well, hey, happy birthday, man. You're getting old. You're getting old. 17, huh? Yes, sir. Fantastic. Yes, ma'am. I'm grateful that people are still in love with God and Jesus because it was really encouraged when even over the summer we got a chance to visit mm-hmm. different churches. Yes. And um, people who basically helped people to fall in love with Jesus and guided them through their um, mm-hmm. developing their love for Jesus were still around. Yes. And they've been around much longer than we yeah. have. And right. we thought we've been around for Right, years, right. But they've been around for a while. And just to see people who talk about how long they've been here, and I know quite a few in here yeah. have been around for um, just being very faithful to Jesus mm-hmm. and God. Amen. That's awesome. Awesome. Yes. Yes. Grateful for yourself. Well said. Next. <laughs> It's uh, it's I I I would go broke if I lived there because it's it's directly across the street from Lowe's. It's like Man Toys R Us right there. Oh my goodness! I'd have seven hundred different wrenches and I can't use any of them, but uh, I like buying them. It makes me feel good. Um, I was just what you were talking about. I'm just so grateful that God loves us even when we feel like we're a mess. Like I feel like this past week or two has been just so chaotic preparing for my first year of teaching and just yes. finding time to, to make time for God and, you know, feeling really just guilty in the times where I feel like I've, I've, you know, come short and stuff and just thinking, how could God still love me or want to spend time with me? Yes. I'm just so grateful for Absolutely. God. Fantastic. That's going to be fun too, huh? Yes, I'm excited. Do you have, is your class already begun? Our first day is on Tuesday. Oh, that's going to be so fun. <laughs> Did you have your hand up back there? You didn't? (laughs) 
There we go. I'm, I'm grateful for the hospitality of the church. The Al Britons uh, put us up for uh, the night and Man. tonight too without even knowing us. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. They didn't know what they were getting into. <laughs> they didn't know. <laughs> so we're excited. We didn't even know the Haynes were going. John and Vivian Haynes are... Yeah, I guess you guys are in Atlanta, but kind of back and forth a little bit with South Florida. So we were together in South Florida, and when we went, me and Abby went down for our job interview in the Palm Beach Church. We stayed with them, and it was just embarrassingly small house. Uh, you know, it was like barely any room, and uh, no, it was the exact opposite. So it was awesome, but uh, fantastic. You want to talk about great hospitality? It, they took such good care of us, and we miss you guys. Man, it was so fun. So anyway, whatever you witness here, don't go and tell any, anyone in authority anywhere, okay? <laughs> what happens in Clemson stays in Clemson. That's our, that's our thing. And you said the house, three houses down from us, is for sale. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right. Uh, so I'm grateful that the baby slept Amen. almost all the way through the night. Ah, oh, that's so good. Uh, so good. Fantastic. That's awesome. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's great. This is the reason why we do this, and hopefully this becomes just a habit of all of us all the time. Because Philippians 4 8 is real. It really is. Whatever's true and noble, right and pure, lovely, admirable, exceptional, praiseworthy, think of these things, right? And the thing about it is, is there's too much going on in the world that makes us and and, and that verse isn't talking about being naive about things, but it's saying making a choice that you want to know what's going to occupy my thoughts are these things. Uh, what's going to occupy my thoughts are things that I'm grateful for because all of us have something in common. It's way easier to see what's wrong than what's right. You know, and again, that's not about being naive. That's about being faithful. That's about going, hold on a minute. In the midst of all this, God truly has given us everything we need. In our worst moments, in my messiest moments, God is still like, no, I want you with me. There's so much. Unfortunately, is, is we've kind of like over the years become jaded even towards the gospel. Like what's, in God's view, what's supposed to be good news isn't so much good news for us anymore. And, and that's what we're going to explore a little bit more. I mean, sometimes we hear things that sound Christian and religious and sound like they should be great. But maybe in our heart, have you ever had that happen? Like you hear something, you're going, but in my heart, it doesn't feel like that's good news. You know, it's, it's that idea there are hard things. And Satan has worked hard to make those things not sound good to us. Okay. When you hear somebody say, I, God, I'm so grateful that he is like hanging in there with me. A lot of times in our hearts are going, but I don't think he's really hanging in there with me. It, because Satan has like worked so hard to be like, no, 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 don't buy any of that good news stuff. That's just all made up, all right? And then what ends up happening is, is we have to start, uh, like we talked about Wednesday, when, when the heart gets disconnected, then all of a sudden it becomes a race to make the outside look like we're okay, huh? Like we better look good on the outside because the inside isn't feeling this, all right? And then when you do that, and we all know the answer, right, because every single one of us has done that. How hard is it when it's just about making the outside look good? Boy, that is, that is torturous because it takes all the fun out of everything. And the thing, and, and here's the truth, is we really should. I mean, every one of us should, 
really, gosh, man, I don't know if this is heretical or not. I mean, it's okay to have lots of fun, okay? It's fun to be a disciple, okay? And that doesn't mean like, oh, you mean because we have lots of singing devos. I'm like, no, I don't, <laughs> no, okay? If you like singing devos, that's great. But I'm talking about like you look at life and you're like, you want to know what? I am thankful for what the day has in store. I'm grateful. Like the wait is off enough. You know, when you, whenever you're too tense, it's hard to laugh. Have you ever realized that? Like, I think laughing is so good for us, you know, but when you're tense, like nothing's funny, nothing, you know, and it's like, man, when you're relaxed and it's like, we have fun, we have more fun together. We can hear the word of God better. And that doesn't mean that we're going to have like some stand up comedian routine. That's not what I'm talking about, but just like the pressure's off. I think that's what Jesus wants. It's like, Hey man, the pressure's off. All right. You may have, if we ranked everyone in here, you know, from one to whatever, and, and we said, okay, Sam had the best week. And Olivia had the worst week, okay? Because right? she was with Sam, right? No, but the truth of the matter is, is, is if, if, if we even did that, Jesus would still say the same thing as, hey, y'all come in here. Let, let me take the pressure off so you can follow me, okay? And that may just seem like a totally, you're like, ah, no, that's garbage. Jesus wants to make your life hard and painful and, you know, horrible and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I guess you can go find a church that tells you that. Okay, I don't know. I mean, I don't see this. I think Jesus liked to do lots of fun things, okay? And he took the pressure off so we could follow him because he asked us to do some hard things, doesn't he? Yeah. He laughs at us. He did, well, <laughs> I think he laughs at me all the time. <laughs> He's like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, anyway, um, what are we talking about? We're, we're finishing up. This is kind of a transition week, okay, um, between this series of Follow Me that we spent since the first week of January. This idea, Matthew 419, hopefully it's just embedded in our little cotton-picking hearts there, man. It's just a little right in there, and it's just, follow me. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me. Hopefully it just gets just embedded in there, okay? is this idea of, hold on a minute, Jesus is going, hey, follow me, follow me. You don't have to be a fisherman to appreciate this, okay? You don't have to be like, oh, hold on a minute, I'm just... Yeah, well, it, it does help. Ryan is a fisherman, so he understands that. But it's this idea of follow me. Jesus says, um, follow me, um, not so I can hire you to be, uh, you know, in my employment to go and trick people to come and follow me too. It's no, follow me, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make something. I'm going to make you, I'm going to, I'm going to restore you to how you were built. Okay, and as you follow me, you're going to see in my life relationally, how you attract people to me, how you bring people in. And it's not going to be how we always think about it. It's not always going to be just what our ideas are, okay? We've been talking about in this whole process of follow me, and I will make you fishers of men, we've been talking about the gospel. And it's amazing how often when you can ask a Christian, what's the gospel? Uh, very few people can articulate that. Like, that's the good news, right? I mean, you think, why well, shouldn't we be able to articulate that? And, and what we've been taught mostly is that the good news is Jesus died for us. Right, that's good news. It's okay to say that's good news. <laughs> that is good news. But it's kind of like that's not the whole story. Right, I mean, here, here's the thing about it is, is, is we, if we just stop at he died for me, then what Christianity becomes is... Uh, just about not paying the penalty for our sin. I just don't want to go to hell. And then, and then after that, let me endure what I think I have to endure. 
let me endure it now because, man, I don't want to mess up and I don't want to do all this kind of stuff. And it gets to be just this, this, you know, super hard road to walk, okay? And we forget that the gospel is about Jesus dying. It's about Jesus rising. It's about Jesus saying, I'm not taking you to heaven once you become a Christian because there's a life I have for you. Like, there's a life I have for you, and that life is actually life to the full. And that doesn't mean that life is great all the time, but it's this idea of it has the greatest purpose of anything that, that we could ever possibly imagine having. All right? And that's the good news, and then we forget that living the life is, a, is part of the gospel. Then we get all kind of weird about our theology because it just becomes about I don't want to go to hell. Yeah, right, exactly. It becomes this, then it becomes about this, how do I pay off my debt? Man, it's the least I, have you ever said that? The least I can do for Jesus is this. No, that terminology is not even right because you assume that you can possibly pay something back. Well, the least I can do is, no, 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 right? So we're talking about the gospel. Um. We're talking about this idea of, here's what gets lost, okay, I think sometimes, is that, and, and I say this in terms of kind of our world, of a, of a self-esteem world, right? The self-esteem world where it's like, man, I really feel, and I'm, I'm buying into this too. I'm not the preacher guy like saying, oh, yeah, everybody needs to figure this out. I'm saying, no, I, I feel the pressure and the, and the anxiety that comes with making something of me. Like, I, I worry about what people think, and, and do they think I'm a good enough person, and do they think I'm spiritual enough, and do they think I'm competent enough, and do they think, and I just need, if I had some more self-esteem, I would feel better about myself. Except Jesus does something different as he says, I actually placed a value on you. Value and esteem are two different things. And this is what's so important. Before we even get into what we're talking about, is if, if the gospel isn't good news, and we don't understand the difference between God putting a value on us, and us esteeming ourselves, like, like yearning after self-esteem, then we kind of get off, okay? And so in 1 Corinthians 6, he says that the, the value that God placed on everybody in here, the value that actually God placed on every human being that's ever lived, okay? I want you to think about that. What was that value? What is that price tag that he said, you are worth this to me? Jesus. Even further, I mean, what, what specifically... About Jesus or his ministry. Who said that? Who's whispering? A little ventriloquism act over there. I was like, how did Kim do that? Right. First Corinthians 6 says that you are purchased, you were bought, there was a price. All right. Can you imagine that? I mean, I always think in my mind, and hopefully it gets into your mind too. Okay. Is this idea of if we were all in, you know, I, I, I do enjoy going to like flea markets and stuff. We don't go that often, but I love going those places, you know, and you go there and there's different values on things. And you think some, well, that's not worth that much. And, you know, if you play Atari 2600 back in the day, you really want one of those. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, but you go to a flea market and there's all these different values. Could you imagine God coming to you? Did Jesus came to you and he said, you are worth the blood of my son. Like him having that individual conversation with you. Not just like a, a big, you know, congregational thing. Could you imagine that conversation happening? What would be the next thing you would say? Think about this. As, and, and what would be the next thing you would say if Jesus said, hey, come here, come here. Sit down right here. I want to tell you something, Ryan. I want to tell you that 
You are, that's how your value is my perfect son dying. That's how much I value our relationship. What would be the next thing we would say to Jesus, do you think? There, there's a number of things. Understand, it's not like, what's the right answer? Okay, it's like, what would you say next? Right. Yeah, certainly there's that idea of just thank you, right? Would anybody else say something different? You're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. Right, 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 right. Can you give me some examples? <laughs> right. You're like, tell me more. Right, right. Why? And we would ask that question. You're crazy. Why do you think that way? I'm not that valuable. Why? Why? Why would we ask that question? It's that idea of this is unbelievable. All right? This is unbelievable. And we've just answered the question why the gospel is the gospel. Why grace is grace. We've just, that's the point of all of this of going, wow. Doesn't it change a little bit when you start thinking about, wow, do I even trust that statement from Jesus? Like, do I even trust that that's true, or do I spend my life arguing with him that that can't be true? And if you only knew, I mean, think about that. Jesus, if you only knew who I was, it's like, I, I do. He knows us better than we know us. I know those things. But these are the, the it sounds really weird. We will sometimes fight against this. Because it's so much easier to believe bad than good. Right? And he isn't saying, oh, hey, you want to know what? Yeah, all that stuff is fine. I'm just, just, you know, just walk over me. Obviously, he's not saying that. But he's looking at each one of us. He's saying, you all have a need. And I'm the only one that can meet that need. And if you don't trust this part of this good news, we can't go forward. We can't go for it. If you don't trust that I've seen your messiest moments, if you don't trust that I know all the junk going in your head, in your heart, and if you don't trust all of that stuff, and I still am dying, like while you were still sinners, I would choose that again, all right? That, we, boy, if there's something that we've got to fast about and pray about and, and set our hearts on to sink down into it and go, wow, because the right answer is what Jody said, you're crazy. That is crazy that Jesus would do that. That's absolutely insane that he would do that. But that's what he did. That's what he did. And that is probably the greatest motivation any of us will ever have to do anything. So we're transitioning here. We have this series where we're kind of easing out of follow me. And we're, we're getting into a, something that might be the most important thing about Jesus is loving well. It's really cool because all of us have more in common than we think, right? I mean, we all are kind of a mess when we start thinking about how people think about us and we get kind of, here's what we have in common as well. None of us in here really love that well. I, I, I hope that doesn't offend you. <laughs> I hope you're not like, who is that guy? to say this he doesn't even know me humanity doesn't love well i mean we weren't born and then 20 years later or 22 years later or 30 or 40 or whatever and just go i naturally love i just naturally love like that's just my strength that's my gift i just love i cannot love 
I've never, ever, ever met that person or heard of that person. And you go, well, what about Mother Teresa? Read about Mother Teresa. She'll tell you she's not like that either. The most benevolent people in the world, this isn't our nature. I need to get better at this. You need to get better at this. Our community needs us to get better at this. All right, the students coming in need the church to be loving well. All right. And here's what the goal isn't. The goal isn't like, how can I put so much pressure on myself uh, to be perfect tomorrow? That's not going to work too well because you're going to get all stiff and, you know, weird and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And you're like, I'm going to love so well, you know, and and it's not going to work. This is a journey we're going on. This is going to be a little while. But if you want, you can turn in your Bible over to first John chapter three. Okay. Um, here's where we are. We've been, um, if, if many of you guys don't realize, is that we've gone through the Gospel of Matthew. Last week, what we talked about was this idea of Jesus saying, hey, not what I want, but what you want. Man, if you thought that was easy, that's a tough one. Hey, whatever, God, what you want, not what I want. You know, this idea of Jesus even going, please, if there's another way. We, we've prayed that before. Different people have prayed that before. Where if there's another way, please don't let. But what your will is, what you want, is what I want. Okay, we were there. We're transitioning into the period of time where Jesus dies on the cross and he rises again. And there is so much. I mean, we could probably talk every week for the rest of time on the implications of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. There is so much there. There is so much. There is no way we can have a discussion and exhaust this possibility. There's too much to it. This is the point of being on a journey. We're at that place. You know, you guys have heard this over and over and over again about the death of Jesus, the crucifixion of Jesus. I think John really does something awesome here, okay, that that the gospel writers don't dig into. The gospel writers give us an account, okay? They give us some some of the thoughts that are going and, and verbiage is going back and forth from Jesus and other people. John puts into words something really important here, okay? And here in 1 John 3, 16, he starts this out. John writes this, and I want you to just, this is how we know what love is. We're going to stop right there. This is how we know what love is. Jesus is, like John is writing right here, I'm going to give you the answer to the test. Because if we were to define love, and and again, there's all kinds of, define love for me. You know, like don't read 1 John 3.16 right now, okay? But in in our minds, what what we, we get inundated with, what we're tempted to believe, what would you say? Love is, how would you fill in that blank? Abiding with me. Abiding with me. Oh, yeah. Like just, just about, right. Okay, yeah, loving me. Really, there's no one better than me. I love me more than anybody. And that's the truth. I'm not even trying to be funny. I'm like, hey, when push comes to shove, it's going to come down to me. Okay? That, that's the truth, okay? And, and love is about that. I mean, you know, let's rewind the clock a little bit. Uh, anybody here a Whitney Houston fan? Eight, greatest love of all. I did not get those words right for so long as a child. I would sing in the car, the greatest love of all. 
and had no idea what it was after that until like five years ago. <laughs> what was the greatest love of all, according to Whitney? Learning to love yourself. It is the greatest love of all. <laughs> Man! <laughs> but that's the thing is, if you could learn to love you, but we've already determined this idea of going, you know what? Man, when I'm faced with Jesus and me, man, you're crazy to think that, I, that I've messed up so much in my life. I've done in my best, with my best intentions, I've done wrong. And so it's that idea of, I don't, like, there are parts of me, I'm going, hold on a minute, I don't think that's the greatest love of all, is learning to love me, all right? What else would you say? Love is? And it's doing what someone else wants over going to what I want. Okay. Love, so explain that. Uh, just, like, taking care of Richard's needs over taking care of mine. If I want to... Yeah, so you have kind of a sacrificial side of it where, hey, you know what love is? is actually like being sacrificial here. Okay, what else would you say? Love is a feeling. It's kind of like in high school, I was in love with half the girls at school. It seemed like, you, know? <laughs> you know, it's like you puppy love or whatever. You yes. Know, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's true. We're all laughing because it's true. Because <laughs> it happens, right? And it's that idea of, man, love has to be that, right? I mean, it's that idea of we say, man, I just don't click with you. It's, um, it's quantifiable. Yeah. It's something that can be measured. Yeah. Yeah. If you do this, then you love me. Yeah, right. If you do that, then right. I love you. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So trans, it's, it can be transactional, right? Why did this? You do that? There's like a transaction love going on here, you know? I mean, that can happen. You know, love can be a feeling. That's a good song, too. Right? I don't know who sang that. I forgot. Love is? Um, like telling them what you think they want to hear. Yeah, right. Lo- love is, I'm going to find out what you want to hear and let me tell that to you. Okay, good. Anybody else have anything? Yeah. Uh, I always looked at love as being a decision. Yeah. A decision to give, whatever that was. Yeah, this is great. Uh, so here's the thing is, is love is a decision. That's absolutely true. Okay. Um, and we're going to, we're going to, jump on that in a second here. Anybody else have a love is? Well, I was just thinking of all the times I use the word love. Yeah. And again, in the common, without right. too deep, right. I love when the hummingbird comes up to our window. I love getting deserted all in. I love, like, oh, I love this. Yeah. Oh, I love this. I love that color. I love that. Like, we say it so much. Yeah. Um, meaning anything that gives me some sort of flutter of heart or pleasure I love, and we're so, yeah. but I think, again, there's a much deeper, so right. anything that I really like or enjoy, you know, it's just I kind love of it. a blanket, but it's not very deep. It's yeah. not, but we say it all the yeah. time, or I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Hey, picking up on his, uh, yeah. love is a decision. I was going to say love is a choice, mm-hmm. that we have to choose to love uh, even when it's hard. Yeah, yeah. That's hard to believe today, right? That, that you can choose that I'm going to love somebody. That there's decisions that need to be made, but we have this up here that John wrote. He says, this is how we know what love is. When it comes to um, loving the way Jesus loved, remember that was one of the things that's really important about our definition here is Jesus' command is, as I have loved you, so you must love others. 
Okay. So there are kind of like gray areas of love and benevolence and all this kind of stuff that still might not be how Jesus loved. Okay. So that's what we're looking at here. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid his life down for us. This is how we know what love is, that Jesus laid his life down for us. And that, yeah. Not only that, but he's laid in, he's got the nails. Sure, absolutely. In the crown of thorns. Yeah. He suffered so much. Mm -hmm. This is still a partial definition here. A lot of times we want to stop here. Remember we talked earlier about this idea of um, I want to become a Christian so I don't go to hell. I want to have a salvation experience that, that just fixes me like right on the spot and I don't have any problems. I'm just going to heaven. doesn't matter what, what occurs after that. Okay? That's this theology is love is Jesus laying his life down for us. Except there's another part of this, right? This is, what me, this is for me and you. This is what we see often in the Bible is Jesus going, this is what I did, and I did this, and I left you an example because this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to live. You can put our name in it. Keith, this is how I want you to live. Jennifer, this is how I want you to live. Landon, this is how I want you to live. This is how you'll know. If you ever get asked on a test, this, how do you know what love is? This is the answer. This is the only answer that will matter, okay? This is the only answer that should be embedded on our hearts. How, this is how you know what love is is that Jesus laid his life down for us and we ought to lay our lives down for one another. I, w- I want to stop for a second because we're going to have to help each other here. This is the glue. This, is, this right here, again, says more about God creating this community that we call the church. But we're going to have to help each other because here's what ends up happening sometimes, okay? Is... We read that and we think, I don't know, let me just tell you what I think sometimes. I'm going, how do you do that? How do you do that? I mean, I'd be happy if if somebody came in here right now and they were going to shoot Ryan. I'd I'd probably jump in front of that bullet for you. (laughs) But but the truth is, 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 here's what I do, and I don't know if you do this or not, but you jump to the most extreme. And you're going, okay, even if the most extreme happened, that's a one and done kind of thing. I mean, you you only get to do that once, okay? So certainly this verse can't mean that, hey, the only way you know what love is is you better go and completely physically sacrifice your life for your brothers, although it may be required. But I read this, and that's the first thing I think of, and I'm like, wow, would I do that? I don't know. Gosh, I better get prepared for that moment in time when something happens and somebody comes running through Madron, and and am I that person that's going to jump in? And I jump in front of probably Abby and Jennifer, but I don't know about Brent. i got to work on that. And, and, you know, we're we're going through and going, how am I going to get there? And it's so extreme that we forget. Now, he's talking about the mundane. He's talking about this everyday stuff. He's talking about things that we have to lay our life down over and over and over again. But here's, this is the dialogue we've got to have and be really great at having with one another because there isn't a three-point sermon that will answer this question. There isn't three points I can give you and go, if you do these three things, then you will therefore lay your life down for your brothers every circumstance, every day. So let's help each other a little bit here. What does this mean? 
When Jesus is saying, here, there's glue I'm going to go apply to, this, to these relationships here. And that glue isn't going to be everyone's going to be alike. Or everybody clicks. Or everybody has the same interests. That's not what it is. It's that everyone will lay their lives down for one another. Tell me, what does that mean? Like, give me something, okay? Let's share this right here. Yeah. So big. That is so huge. I cannot. That is so because the tendency oftentimes is let me hold my heart back. Like, like I want to have answers for you. I want to be able to tell you like mechanically what to do spiritually. Right. I want to have a verse I can give you. But really, Hayes, what Hayes is saying is let's be really great. Laying down our lives is entering each other's lives. And not entering each other's lives so we can go, okay, now that I'm in your life, Brent, that you should be perfect. It's no relationship that's healthy is built that way. But it's entering into our lives on a heart level, huh? I mean, Jesus related to us on a heart level. Even when he was coming in, I mean, I love that section when he's looking over Jerusalem. He's just like, I just longed to bring you into just close to me, but you didn't want to be close to me. All right, there's a heart commitment. And so it's their idea of there is no laying down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If our heart is not invested, there isn't. It can't happen. Yeah, great, great answer. First, I have to admit that I cheated because I, I read ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if anyone has material possessions and sees a yes. brother or sister in need that has a pity on it, how can love God be in that person? Yeah. Dear yes. children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and I think I used to be where this would, if I would weigh whether someone was worthy of that, that actions and truth, maybe they were, you know, and yet, you know, maybe they had they had done enough religious things or they had shown that they were worth and yet Jesus, you know, while I was still a sinner, that's when Jesus showed his love for me. That's when he, he didn't wait right. for me to get my stuff on right before he laid down his life for me. If we are really going to be serious about saying we follow Jesus, this is what has to be fundamentally different about our lives, right? Because Jesus didn't do, we, we've got to always put that on, out in front of us going, hold on a minute. Why do I expect everybody to just be absolutely perfect before I love them? When Jesus didn't do that, but I'm saying I follow Jesus. Yeah. All right? We've got to be consistent on these things. And, and Jody read ahead. Don't follow that example. <laughs> okay? Don't, you know. <laughs> For me, it's like, man, uh, I'm so, I'm just a very selfish, self, self-absorbed person. Yeah. You know? And if I don't get up and get myself out of bed and, and pray and go find God. Yeah. This isn't going to happen. Not going to happen, huh? If I don't get up out of bed, if I don't go and have a prayer time, go find God, go seek Him, and get His power yeah. for my life and not go on my own power, I'm not going to be able to do it. So yeah. that's, yeah. for me, that's, I mean, that's the first step. You know? that's great. Even with that in place, it's, it's hard. It's very difficult. That's right. And, um, but, you know. Right. Try our 
best, right? I mean, it's, uh, it's fantastic. Yeah, Vivian. Yeah, I was going to say that some of us, like things, we grew up with things being given to us, so we don't know how to give, or we give and we feel like, well, people don't give to us, and then we forget that we have to love back. Um, and I was thinking that one really practical thing to do is to find other people either that are very loving or even people, you know, to, to just confess, this is where I'm at, you know, help me, hold me accountable, how do you do it, can you mm -hmm. teach me how to do it, right. how do you find yourself a way to love people who are not lovable, that's right. you know, and just really get help, I think yeah. that's why we're all in this together. Absolutely, absolutely, these are fantastic, Juliana. For a long time, but when I first became a disciple, I had a very um, selfish view of friendships in the church. And, you know, I think looking back, I'm like, man, I wanted friendships for me. And I, yeah. you know, I wouldn't say that. I would say, man, I want yeah. great relationships. I feel like I need someone spiritually in my life, which is true, you know. Right. Um, but I think I realized, like, man, if that's like my motives for friendships is to make me feel loved and to make me feel yeah. welcome, then I am just that attitude is completely off. And I even mm -hmm. think about people God has put in my life who have acted mm -hmm. like mentors, like in Charleston and here, and mm -hmm. people here in the church. And even that originally was a very selfish motive. It was like, man, I'm here so you can right. help me. And I right. had to really change my perspective and go, no, I need to, everyone I get with and everyone that's around me, I really need to have that heart of I'm here to love you. And that's, that's why I want to have relationships. And that yeah. was a very good thing mm -hmm. to right. change of attitude on. Yes. That was huge well, here's what happens. Is it, what's, what Juliana is describing that's really great is there is this kind of like a couple different hats you wear as a disciple, right? There's like what Vivian's talking about, which is like, hey, there's that time. Just help me. Just please, can, I, can, can we get some time? And, and I do need camaraderie and I do need friendship and I do need those things. But, my, but at the same time, I'm coming in and I'm like, how can I contribute? How can I give? Let me be really aware of people's needs. Really, isn't that what Jesus is saying? Is he was so aware of our needs. And more, you know what's funny? He was even more so aware of not just our spiritual needs, but he was aware of every need that we had. And so that it's, it's this idea of, of kind of being able to be flexible, again, too, of going, okay, hey, when do I need, okay, yeah, I need this, I need help, thank you. Um, but at the same time, living in a way that's like, let me be very aware of needs so I can meet them, yeah. all right? It, it's so important. What's awesome about this is because it begs the question oftentimes for us to go, well, then if I'm meeting other people's needs, how am I going to get my needs met? <laughs> but it's built in. It's built in right there. It's going, oh, hold on a minute. When you're giving and meeting their needs, everybody else meeting your needs, you, you actually have more people meeting your needs. <laughs> I think it, um, what you were saying is um, I felt that it was very, very true about how we need to look for how to meet people's needs. And I think the way to do that is asking God to help us to yeah, open so our good. eyes to be able to see it. That's right. Because I think um, it's interesting. I'm always taken back to a very convicting moment in my life. Um, as a, uh, a mother of a, a young child, um, it was Sean actually, walking into, um, I think it was Target. Mm. And he was, you know, he's always been talkative. You know, so he's just talking, 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 talking. And we're walking into Target, 
And, um, and you know, I'm just listening to him and just having a good old time listening to him. And as I'm holding his hand, and as we walk into Target, he just stops. Yeah. And I don't say anything because I just wonder, why did he stop? I wonder, is everything okay? Yeah. And I look, and he's, he's this little thing, not even higher than this chair. Yeah. And he looks over, and he sees this man. It was very, very hot outside. And this man is sitting over on the bench. And you could tell he was homeless. I could tell he mm -hmm. was homeless. Yeah. I could tell he was very hot, and he had come inside, and he needed to get some a reprieve. Mm -hmm. Well, Sean was talking, just talking away, but completely stopped. And looked over at this man and stopped and looked mm -hmm. at him. I thought he was going to say something inappropriate. Mm -hmm. So I was uh, bracing myself to reprimand him. Mm -hmm. And um, he let go of my hand. Mm -hmm. And he walked over to the man. And he looked in his eyes. And he just put his hand on his hand. Mm -hmm. And he just stayed there and yeah. just looked at the man yeah. with such compassion. The man had tears that mm -hmm. developed in his eyes. Yeah. And so did I, but sure. I was like, oh, you don't know who this man is. You know, I was like, right. oh, I right. have this moment of, do I say something sure. or not? But the man was so overwhelmed by his love that he showed to him. He smiled, and he said, young man, he said, thank you so much, yeah, but man. always ask your mom before you go up. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing the wrong thing, kid. <laughs> and, and I was so appreciative. Yeah. That I didn't have to do that, and yeah. he understood yeah. how I was feeling as a mom. Yeah. But that it, it just really touched both of us. Yeah. It was like this moment that we were we were like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and but it was very convicting for me because I didn't notice the man. I didn't notice him. And I think sometimes we can get so busy mm -hmm. that we don't see people in need. Yeah. And sure. we don't see how people just, and that's yeah. really, I mean, the, just touching his hand and mm -hmm. looking at him with compassion meant everything to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so here's the thing, going back to these, you know, in, in our minds oftentimes we're going, okay, I want to be more aware like that. I want to see more people. I want to really be great at seeing needs and, and, and really being able to talk and listen well. I want to be able to do that. And the truth of the matter is, is, is we have to start small. Like, like, it's not just like, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and be really great, and I'm going to determine to do this. It's like, hold on a minute, let me, let me start somewhere. And, and this is, I, even as John writes this, he says, lay your life down for your brothers and sisters. Like, that's the starting point. It's like, you want to know what? You could go and do all kinds of other stuff. It's amazing what Jesus says about our love for one another. He says, by this, all men will know your love for one another. What if Jesus did it a different way? What if Jesus went out into the world and he says, I give y'all permission in the world to judge my church based on how you see them loving one another? What if he did it that way? He goes, y'all have all the permission because I'm with you. When you look, watch how they lay their lives down. Because I lay my life down. And so it's that idea of starting, like, what will I start with? And it might be in your family group. It might be in your group of three. It might be in your household. It might be where you just are, you begin. Here, here's one of the hurdles is, is moving past being inconvenienced. Like there's no sacrifice if we won't be inconvenienced. 
Like, it's, it's that idea of, I mean, we have a number of things. I, I was sharing with Royce, I think, the other day. I said, man, this time of year, it seems like we got all kinds of needs. I mean, you got moving in needs, you got blood needs, you got all, all these different needs. And it's just like, whoo, there's a lot going on. And there's a lot of sofas that need to be moved. And there's a lot of meals that need to be made. And, and there's a lot of stuff happening. And unfortunately, I think what can even trickle into the church is we wait to be convenienced a convenient time to do something you know oh, you, somebody needs help moving in but it, yeah it's not convenient for me right now now certainly there are going to be times when you're like no i'm at work i mean obviously that's like patrick cannot just leave his office you know but but my fear is that far too often we will serve or we will lay down our lives when it's absolutely convenient like no no no, no. i was planning on doing something else and, and we wait, and there's no, if, if that's where the hurdle is, then we've got to start there and go, hold on a minute. When was the last time I've been inconvenienced with any of my brothers and sisters? Yeah. Where I've just said, you know, I know what, here, let, let me be totally heretical here, okay? Of, of saying, hold on a minute, yeah, I know students have to study. But have you ever thought about going, you know what, I'll stay up an hour later to study because this person needs help. Oh, no, 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 I got to study all day. I cannot tell you how often I hear that. Hey, we have a need. Oh, I got to study all day. I've been to school before. I, I'm not, I haven't been a minister my whole life. You know, and, and there is, believe me, I'm absolutely certain of it. There is not a soul that studies 24 hours in a row. Not a soul. You can argue all you want. I guarantee you that doesn't happen. Okay, but it's that idea of going, but hold on a minute. I've got these shows I want to watch. Then I have this. What, what I have so much work to do means is, no, I have shows to watch. I have to relax. I have to take a nap. I don't want to get overwhelmed. Then I got to study. Then I got to. And everything is about the worship of us. We can't possibly lay our lives down for our brothers because we're waiting for this convenient moment. When when Jacob calls us up and said, hey, this moment, you're going, wow, everything is available in my schedule right now. So I'll do that. Or somebody needs help in their yard. Somebody needs a ride somewhere. Somebody needs, I mean, this is really what Jesus is really summing it up as he's saying, you want to know what? I've been generous to you. Y'all be generous to others. Learn to do that. All right. Oh, but man, this person doesn't have any money for lunch. No, 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 come. I'm going to buy you lunch. Okay. But then you're thinking, oh man, but if I buy them lunch, I'm not going to be able to, you know, buy this thing that I wanted. You know, I wanted that new pair of shoes or I wanted that new video game or I wanted, you know, I wanted to buy this thing and I'm not going to be able to if I give them money for lunch. Then we can't even effectively be disciples when we refuse to be generous and inconvenienced. Now, what can kind of give everybody a little bit like, oh, is because there's some of you, I feel it already. You're going. I don't have the time, effort, or energy to meet the avalanche of needs that are about to come down the pike. But here's the truth of the matter is, is, is have you ever heard the term or the, 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 the saying, you know, many hands make light work? <laughs> right, that's true, huh? It, what, what messes up the church is when you have a small portion. It's like, no, no, we're going to meet all these needs. And then... Everyone else is like, well, when it's convenient, I'll do that. I'm going to ask some of you guys that really struggle with this to overcome it. Be inconvenienced. 
You may have something else that you need to do, and if you have to do it, then fine, go do it. But oftentimes, really ask yourself, am I just doing this because it doesn't fit my schedule right now? Or I'm not going to meet this person or help this person because it's not what I want to do. All right? Th- this is the crux of this verse, right? Is Jesus, could you imagine Jesus going, man, I'm so busy today. I can't go, can't go to the cross today. I'm so busy. I mean, there's more people I can talk to. I'm so busy. I got to go and find my guys that just ran away from me. I'm so busy. I have so many other things. Can you imagine waking up in the morning? Jesus waking up in the morning of, of the day he was going to die and going, I don't feel like doing this. I, I want to do a million other things except do this. It wasn't convenient, but it was generous. It's amazing how many studies, even, even worldly studies psychologically, of what generosity does to us. And not generosity with our money, generosity with our time and our love and our emotion and our heart and all of these things and our, our things, it changes us in our mind. That's what's so rich about this verse right here is this idea of, of going, because Jesus did this, you don't do it just to say, well, you know what? Uh, the church says that I need to do this. The answer is no, Jesus did this for me. Jesus did this for me and he left an, an example that I should do this. This is what he's called me and you to do. It's pretty cool how it works, though. But it's not easy, huh? And, and it's about, really, me and you, are we going to trust? Right? Because isn't it easy to go, how am I going to ever have time for myself? How am I ever going to have time for myself? How am I ever going to have time for myself? That's what's wrong with Christianity. That's what's wrong with preachers. That's what's wrong. When am I ever going to have time for myself? And here's what I've learned having said that, thought that, felt that. That's a smokescreen. That's all that is. That's a smokescreen. There's no expectation that somebody is going to be 24 hours a day, seven days a week, like totally not having any time and just running around and just, there's no expectation of that. But it justifies me not doing it when I state it that way to me. Like, well, what about me? When am I going to get my time? And when I don't have my time, you know how cranky I am when I don't have my time? (laughs) I got to have some me time. Oh my goodness, how I wish we got rid of that saying. I don't know. I didn't see it. I don't know what version of the Bible it says to have that. And, and believe me, don't get all, well, you, don't keep, you don't even know about, you know, no, stop. I, here's the thing I know, we're going to get us time. Our problem isn't getting us time. That's not our problem. Our problem is not listening and being aware of needs. I mean, that's one of the things, I mean, just from a practical perspective, I mean, uh, Van has been getting up and asking people, hey, could you please sign up? Like right now, can you please go and help me? Can you please go and do that? And it's like, I still get phone calls like, hey, can we sign up on Saturday? Uh, Are we not listening to the need? Hey, somebody needs a meal. Somebody needs something like that. And it's like waiting, 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 waiting. Instead of going, hold on a minute, Jesus didn't wait. Jesus didn't wait. These are just the practical things. I'm going, hold on a minute, I'm going to wait and wait and wait, and I know they've been talking about doing this, and I know that that family needs a meal, and I know this needs help over here, and they need help moving. I, I, when I put text messages out about people moving, I get worried because I feel like somebody's going to see the word moving and go, dang, I'm so busy that day. 
right? You know, you see the word. Like, how can I trick them? Like, you have won $500. Please call this number, you know? Then when you call me, I'm going to tell you that we're moving, okay? But I can't tell you, I'm going to tell you this. It's been my experience with my family. It's been my experience in every single body that we've been a part of. There isn't anything, let me not say that, okay? That's like super dramatic. (laughs) There are very few things, okay? There are very few things as powerful to the world than seeing the church come together. There are very few things, okay? Like when someone has a need and the church just converges on that. There are very few times that happens. We've seen that in weddings that have come up. We're just like, whoa, wow, this is amazing. And how many people always say like, oh, how do you do that? Right. It, it change, and so that's what I'm saying is, is, is being so aware of needs and how we can serve and how we can be generous. And when I walk somewhere, I'm looking around going, man, let me just, how can I contribute rather than what are you going to do for me? Man, what are you, you going to do? It's so boring because you didn't do anything for me. Things get fun. In my experience, things get funner when I contribute. More fun. I'm just speaking Tallahassee right there, okay? That's Seminole. We, we, we do those. Who invited you? Oh, more fun. Linda, what you got? You know, it's funny. I, I love, we all do, being around Linda, because here's the funny thing is, is Linda, you're such a, really a, such a great example of this, is when Linda comes in, Linda comes to give and to contribute and to, and to give something. And at the same time, Linda knows that she has needs too, that we all have to meet together. And it's that perfect kind of working together, just the way the church works together. And you want to know what, here's one of the things that I would say, even Linda, as you were talking about, I was thinking about this, is one of the things that you don't do and I really appreciate this because it's gonna, it, it will make us fail, is Linda doesn't sit around going, I wish those jerks would get better at this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, where it's just like, you could hear 1 John 3.16 and go, you want to know what? That's the problem with these people. 
If they knew that, they'd help me more. We got to stop right there. That, Jesus doesn't say that. He did not go into that commentary. He said, for me and you, is, it, it, it's not about waiting for somebody else to do something for us. It's the idea of going, hey, you know what? People might never do anything for me. That, that's neither here nor there. This is what Jesus has done. This is why we think about what's true and noble and right and pure. Because it's all there. Listen, all of the great things that Jesus has done for us far outweigh any of the bad things. But that's the point. That's that's this whole idea. So we're going to really fail if we're waiting for everybody else to do this to us, instead of us just going. You know, Jesus, you said this. Let me let me start that little baby step process to to get there.